Avengers Endgame. People have thoughts and feelings about it. The epic culmination of years of world creation and movies. And people were hyped for it. And as you can expect, some people were unhappy with it. I walked into the theater in a bit of a daze, like a different kind of daze than I had after watching Avengers Infinity War. I mean, that was a trip because it had one of the ballsiest moves I've ever seen in the MCU. Like, they literally killed off half of its big-name players, like Black Panther and Spidey and Groot. But a year after the release of Marvel's biggest cinematic event, I really am wrestling with one lingering question. Who are the real villains in Endgame? This is Issue Zero, a show about the power of fandom and pop culture. I'm Fred Kennedy, and today I want to find out who was right, the Avengers or Thanos. And to do that, we're all going to base it on damage, okay? Thanos did 50 points of damage. That's where we're starting. Thanos did 50 points of damage. That's a guarantee. He wiped out 50% of life on Earth, so 50 points seems logical. But what about the Avengers? How many points of damage did they do? Now, I know that even asking that question might make me seem like some online troll that screams, Thanos was right! whenever I see someone do something I dislike. First of all, that's a dumb statement because Thanos' philosophy is actually based on that old philosophical dilemma of the runaway train. Now, you might have heard of it. The dilemma asks whether or not you would pull a lever to divert a train from killing five people if it meant that the act of doing so would result in the train killing one person. Most people say that they would indirectly kill one to save five. But it gets a bit trickier when you add the second scenario. That's whether or not you would push a person in front of a train causing death if it meant it would save five others. Again, most tend to say that they would not like to kill a person directly, even if it meant that they would in turn be saving five other people. Thanos, Thanos spins this theory on its head. His actions were totally random. By snapping his fingers, he essentially pulled the lever, thinned the herd in an effort to restore balance so life itself could survive, which to him is much more important. Perfectly balanced as all things should be. Though it's pretty powerful in the movies, we don't really get a lot of backstory about Thanos' motivation. So I'm going to cross the streams here and I'm bringing both the comics and the MCU together because the Infinity Gauntlet event in the comics is much more detailed than it is in the MCU. The best source for answering the question, how is killing half of all intelligent life in the galaxy going to restore balance, comes from the comics. The Infinity Gauntlet Saga, which really begins with Silver Surfer number 34, published in February of 1990. And it's written by the amazing Jim Starlin and illustrated by my favorite 90s artist, Ron Lim. The Silver Surfer lands on a planet devoid of life and just wants a place to have a little snooze. But when he wakes up, he's suddenly in front of a giant skull-shaped temple. He enters because... 
that's what you do when a giant, mysterious skull-faced temple appears out of nowhere. Inside, he finds death. Yes, death. The cosmic being who's responsible for the deaths of all living things in the universe. And death is up to something. She's resurrecting a long-dead malignant spirit. That's how it's described in the comics. There's quotes on that, by the way. At this point, we don't really know who this malignant spirit is. Because when their mythic tomb is cracked open, all that emerges are a vaguely shaped pair of eyes and a weird face. But whoever this is immediately opts to give Silver Surfer a taste of their power and blasts them outside of the temple. The surfer tumbles across this alien landscape and looks up to see a massive crowd of people, like thousands, gathered right outside the temple, in fact. And it's cool because you get this massive splash page. For anyone who's not a big comics nerd, a splash page is when a single image takes up the entire page. And... This specific type of splash page is an artist's worst nightmare because the crowd itself takes up the entire page, which means you've got to show all these alien creatures in a single image. I got to take a moment here to explain one of the cooler things about comics when it comes to panels like this, like big panels, splash pages, etc. They are a lot of work. And as such, this is where you're going to find all kinds of Easter eggs, like little jokes that the artist slips in. A lot of times artists do stuff like this to keep themselves interested, and other times it's a jab at the editors and writers who task them with ridiculous things to draw. You'll find a lot of penises on pages like this. Now, this specific splash page is a perfect example. If you look closely in the crowd of aliens, you'll see Gumby, a xenomorph, The Ninja Turtles, a tribute to famed Mad Magazine artist Don Martin's signature character, Lance Barker Trip, Johnny and his goons from The Karate Kid, and Garfield. Garfield's in there, too. It's pretty cool, but back to the story at hand. The crowd is looking off in the distance. But at what? To find out, the surfer flies up and sees a woman standing atop of a volcano, and she's holding a baby, an alien baby. And then she throws it into the volcano. The surfer flies down to save it and wonders how anyone could dare sacrifice a baby. And he looks down at this cute little baby. The baby begins to morph and change into a hideous tentacled monster that's wrapping itself around the surfer attempting to eat him. And the surfer is about to die. So he unleashes an incredible blast of cosmic energy to vaporize the alien. But then everything vanishes, and he's crumpled on the ground, heaving for air, and he looks up to see Thanos. And he informs him that what he just saw was a premonition. That is what's coming. And it's very cool because that scene right there is one of those things that I love about comics when they're done right. They dedicate an entire issue. The entire issue is just a big metaphor. And if you're reading between the lines, you realize that Thanos is the mother sacrificing the infant, and the infant is half of the galaxy. The surfer represents the heroes bent on saving half the galaxy that Thanos destroys. But in the end, the people they rescue 
will be their undoing. It's brilliant writing from Jim Starlin, who is sadly all too often left out of conversations about the MCU. And it's doubly frustrating because Marvel really did use his work for the starting point that exists today. The scene in the comic books is incredible. Thanos standing in front of the surfer telling him bluntly that the universe is out of balance and he uses Earth as a prime example. Now, you might think you've seen this in the movies, but I'm going to do something better, okay? I'm going to do a bit of podcast radio playery here. I will be playing the part of the Silver Surfer, and my contemptuous harpy of a producer, Dila, will portray the Mad Titan, Thanos. And this is a scene from Silver Surfer, issue 35, published in March of 1990, where Thanos takes the Silver Surfer to Earth to prove that the universe itself is out of balance. One of the ultimate truths is that life and death are but different sides of the same coin. One cannot exist without the other. Uh, Rob, deal is read. It's really good, but could you, like, add some effects, you know, to make her sound Thanos-y, maybe a bit of reverb, maybe some pitch bender to, like, deepen things up a bit? That'd be great. Thanks, buddy. Okay, okay, let's try that one more time, Dila. One of the ultimate truths is that life and death are but different sides of the same coin. One cannot exist without the other. Amazing. I've heard the Avengers speak of Thanos, that he was not to be trusted. To hear them tell it, he's the devil incarnate. Not anything like this professional creature I now see before me. Perhaps he's not the same Thanos. Obviously, my best strategy is to wait, listen, and learn. Life and death, the way existence was meant to be. And is... Not quite. I brought you here to Earth, a planet you're familiar with, to illuminate just that point. You are aware of the medical and other scientific breakthroughs this world's dominant species have made over the past few decades. Of course. You realize how these gains have dramatically extended the lifespans of these creatures. Yes, but... Are you also aware of the fact that more than half of the humans ever born on this planet are presently alive right this moment? No, I wasn't, but your point? That this planet is becoming criminally overpopulated. Criminally? Isn't that a bit harsh? No. I call this harsh, forcing sentient beings to live under such conditions. But this is Tokyo, Japan during the rush hour. Hardly representative of what the situation is like on the whole planet. True. But isn't this a model of where this world is headed? Not necessarily. These people... Produce garbage at an astounding rate. Each person in the United States alone creates nearly two tons of rubbish per year. This is a species that is rapidly burying itself in its own waste. You're wrong! I refuse to accept this future. There are those who care, those who will work to avoid this tomorrow. Do you really believe that? Am I not merely echoing fears and sentiments you yourself have expressed? It's been nearly a generation since there was any serious talk of zero population growth. Environmental concerns are a joke on this planet. 
The people of Earth now live with the vague notion that someone else will solve these problems for them. It never occurs to them that they themselves are that some. Then there's the shameful things they're doing to their own atmosphere. You remember the smell of their befouled air, don't you? But let's not forget the nuclear ecological time bomb they have scattered all about. Oh, this is, this is obnoxious. No, it's not. It, it's brilliant. But let's not forget the nuclear ecological time bombs they have scattered all about. A grand legacy to leave their children. Earth is a world rushing on its way to desolation and doom. Look about, Surfer, and see the future. End scene. Thanos isn't done, though. He actually uses that same logic and applies it to the rest of the galaxy, and he claims that the pendulum is just swung too far in a single direction, and that if something isn't done, all life in the universe itself could be destroyed. Ahem, let Dila, I mean Thanos, explain. Welcome to Solaria. It is a lush and bountiful planet inhabited by a primitive yet gentle people. Beautiful, aren't they? Thanos keeps teleporting us around so frequently, my board hasn't had time to answer my mental summons. True, the Titan hasn't done anything overtly hostile yet. You notice the Solarians don't fear us. That is because this world possesses no predators. They have no natural enemies. Such simple creatures have nothing but food and shelter from the rains. These desires are presently easy to come by, so they have no reason to war on each other. Paradise, no? So it would seem. They've nothing to do but laze about and multiply, which is exactly what they do. By many estimates, 20 years from now, their population will rise to a level far higher than this planet can support. Famine will set in, followed by clan warfare and cannibalism. Paradise becomes hell. But surely they can be taught. They have the intellect, but not motivation. Throughout the universe, no one wants to believe such a nightmare scenario could happen to them. Now do you begin to understand the gravity of the great imbalance? Science and benevolent nature have allowed thousands of different species to flourish beyond the capability of their environs to sustain them. Right there. He claims that he is legitimately trying to preserve life. And even in the movies, Nebula eloquently says, Thanos is many things, but he is not a liar. It's also interesting that Thanos is always shown as becoming a gardener whenever he isn't out laying waste to the cosmos. That's consistent in the books, by the way. And let me tell you why, when I left the theater after watching Infinity War, I immediately thought about my garden. When you garden, you toss extra seeds in the ground because you never know which seeds will sprout and which won't. But when a bunch of plants are growing too close together, you need to thin the crops or nothing will grow strong enough to bear fruit. Carrots are the worst for it. you got to thin them a few times to ensure you get a crop of good-sized carrots. The more room they have, the better they do. And in Thanos' eyes, people are carrots. 
and the cosmic carrots are way too close together. And if this continues, none of them will grow. With that framework in mind, do you think that Thanos may have been on to something? This isn't me being an advocate for calling humanity, okay? I just want to make that clear. I'm just saying there is some logic in what Thanos is trying to do. And that's what makes him a great villain. You understand his motivations. But is he really a villain here? We just heard Dila's delightful retelling of Thanos' reasoning. That Earth is becoming a large pile of fecal matter. Well, worse, because fecal matter is biodegradable. Earth's residents are actually drowning in their own garbage and waste. Remember, this was written 30 years ago. It sounded that relevant, and it's 30 years old. There were 2 billion less people then than there are now. And resource consumption per capita has gone up in that time. Carbon emissions have increased globally since 1990 by more than 60%. This is according to the World Bank, by the way. And what's crazy is that Earth's population has risen by less than 40% in the same time. But maybe you don't care about the carbon stuff. Maybe you don't believe in climate change. Let's just focus on actual garbage production, like the physical production of waste since 1990. According to the EPA, we're producing slightly more waste than we were in 1990, with an average of 2.1 tons per person in North America. Now, that doesn't seem like too big of a change. But the frustrating thing here is almost every figure regarding waste is simply household waste. That doesn't take into account the waste that businesses are producing at work, which was used in that original comic back in 1990. So that's a huge factor we're having to ignore a lot. And I mean staggeringly large amounts of businesses don't recycle. They claim to, technically... Like all the garbage cans are blue. There's always like a little small waste bin inside. But the next time the cleaners come through, take a look at where all that waste goes. Your little blue bin is going in the trash because it's cheaper. But we'll ignore that, okay? Even with just the household trash numbers, we're still producing more garbage than we were before. This planet is becoming a Wally-sized garbage pile simply because we as a species outright refuse to change. Dude, like two summers ago, the UN made a proclamation that we have 12 years to make huge changes before we cross the line in the sand and begin facing serious threats to our very existence. And what have we done about it? Not that much. But imagine, just imagine if suddenly all that waste, all those emissions were halved instantly. That's Thanos' plan. And I know you're thinking, but dude, cutting the planet's population in half, that's insane. That'll take us back to like medieval population levels, right? No, that would take us back to approximately early 1960. 1960. And we could avoid the climate perils we currently face. It'd be a chance to avoid disaster entirely. In the beginning of Endgame, Captain America drops this line. You know, I saw a pot of whales when I was coming over the bridge. In the Hudson? There's fewer ships, cleaner water. 
That scene right there has actually drawn a good deal of contention from MCU critics that claim the entire MCU is just imperialist propaganda designed to indoctrinate society into accepting U.S. military rule. I'm serious. There's a lot of people out there that think that. And I know this because I've read them. I actually read one a few months ago. Some guy went off on a spiel and he had this like chain tweet of about 20 chapters. And I tried to find it again last night while writing this, and that's when I realized how far that guy is from alone. Like, thousands of people feel the same way. And their basic argument is that by Captain America saying, look, there's whales again, it's meant to make people think that we should all be okay with the idea of mass murder because, well, we'll have whales. And, dude, I'm a cynical guy, but that's pretty narrow for me. Like, that is a stretch down a very thin hallway. But I would like to think that that line could potentially have been part of a larger story about environmental recovery. Within five years of being halved, the planet is already healing itself. That's actually part of the movie that I really wish was explored a bit more. Like, how fast would the planet and society recover after the population was cut in half? Now, let's let's pause for just a moment because I can already feel a disturbance in the force of people demanding we define what Thanos actually killed. Because as I said earlier in the comics, Thanos said he wanted to destroy half of all intelligent life. But we're talking about the MCU here. And it's in Endgame when Black Widow says... He did exactly what he said he was going to do. Thanos wiped out 50% of all living creatures. Which just, just felt weird when I saw it in the theater. I was like, oh, that's probably just just a passing statement. But no, according to Kevin Feige, that's what happened. During a presser for Ant-Man and the Wasp with birth movie's death, he doubled down on it saying half of all life. But when we see the actual snap, we don't see half of all life vanish. We only see animals and people. And by animals, we really only get to see some birds turn to dust. None of the plant life disappears. It's still there. So did plants get a pass? Are they not life? And does that logic also apply to fungi, bacterial life? Like if I'm one of the humans that survives, do I still lose half of all my gut bacteria? And if so, what happens to me? Do I survive the snap but still die? Well, since we're talking about this right now, you should know you probably wouldn't die if you lost half of your gut bacteria. Odds are you wouldn't even notice. You might get a tummy ache, maybe get a bit gassy, but in less than a day, all your bacteria would have replenished to the proper levels in your digestive system. Same with the rest of the litany of microbial life that your body uses as a home, like the mites that have specifically evolved over millions of years to live around the corners of your eyes. Yes, those exist. You, my friend, are a beautiful arc supporting a wide variety of life. You are your very own ecosystem. Still, enough about you. I need answers. To be blunt, that's one of my biggest beefs with the way Infinity War laid it all out in the movies. And the comics, as usual, addresses it a bit more clearly. There, Thanos claims he must estimate 50% of the universe's population but the working rule for Thanos' plan in the comics is that it's half of all intelligent life. You can double-check that uh, in Silver Surfer issue 35 from March of 1990, page 12. It's right there. Like, it's the last panel on the page. 
But let's just base this next argument on the MCU. And for the sake of keeping the ball rolling here, we'll only lose half of all animal life on Earth. And let's just ignore the rest of the universe because alien life forms can get pretty tricky. So half of all animal life is suddenly gone, wiped out. How long would recovery take? Well, generally speaking, it's taken this planet about 20 million years to fully recover from each of its major extinctions. Now, this is according to the fossil record. And given we're already living in the largest extinction level event in the history of our planet, all caused by us, by the way, uh, Thanos' snap would actually speed up the recovery process. And this is according to an article from Sadie Witkowski from Smithsonian Magazine in April of 2019. And there's another article from uh, J.V. Chamere in Forbes Magazine of May 2019. Uh, I could keep listing them because I didn't find a single article with a biologist that painted Thanos' snap as a bad thing for the planet. I'm sure they're out there. And I know that you'll point them out if you disagree. Regardless, they all rested on the idea that the fastest way towards planetary recovery in every single biome across the planet was having less people. And the term anthrocentric came up a lot in those articles. Anthrocentric means that we have this idea where we're the most important thing going, people, but we're not. We're really just a single piece of the whole puzzle. And you'll notice that there are no biologists or environmentalists on the Avengers side for this one. So let's dig into that. Let's discuss their methodology for undoing the damage, and I'm doing air quotes, the damage that Thanos has done. Before we do, though, let's get one thing out of the way. Uh, The counter argument to Thanos, which is, why don't we just double the resources on Earth? It, it does sound great. That's the counter-argument, and it sounds wonderful. But it does not work in practice. How are you going to double food production? How are you going to double the amount of fresh water? And what about all the garbage we produce? Doubling the resources would mean that we double the amount of garbage that we refuse to stop making. Okay, so maybe you're thinking, well, then it's easy. Just double the size of the planet, and um, you could use magic to do that. But you should know that that would kill us because of the doubling of gravity. There's a whole bunch of mathematical breakdowns about why doubling the resources won't work. Just Google square cube law and Thanos and you'll wander into a whole bunch of math nerds going off. And again, all that science and math just seems to echo that Thanos chose the best option. But back to Avengers Endgame. The movie starts with Ant-Man, a.k.a. Scott Lang, played by the always charming Paul Rudd, emerging from the quantum realm five years after the snap, and he wanders into this new half-empty world that probably has, like, super cheap rent for everyone and really low real estate prices. And he realizes that he's traveled through time, and he seeks out the Avengers, Cap and Black Widow. They set up a time heist where they're going to go back through time and assemble all the gems before Thanos did, and they're going to undo what he's done. Yes, it's very convoluted, but it's very entertaining. So who cares? We're not debating whether the movie is good or not. 
We're discussing who the real villains are. Who did more damage? Now, they can't just travel back in time, all right? They need Tony Stark to use his super giant brain, which has yet to think up an effective recycling program because he's too busy driving race cars and flying around in robotic suits. But regardless, they need him to hack time itself and get those gemstones. If you're keeping track, Thanos currently has 50 damage points. The Avengers have zero, but we're going to give them five villain points, okay? For sheer vanity and laziness and not addressing a problem they're all aware of. Or you could ignore that Tony alone could have helped fix the planet without the wealth of Wakanda and the brains of Bruce Banner before the snap. But let's just focus on the logistics of what they're trying to do since the snap, okay? Half the world vanished five years ago. Half. And in the ensuing five years, people started healing. They recovered. That's how things work. People are strong and resilient. They found new lives for themselves. New lives for their loved ones. Imagine the love of your life is like a dust cloud after the snap. Like they're gone up in the Dyson at this point. You mourn their loss. But then three years later, you fall in love with someone else and begin a new life. Maybe you even have children with them. Maybe it's a deeper love than you've ever known because you've got this gratitude for what life is. Then the Avengers assemble to do their cool time heist and bam, your formerly dead love is now back. And they're the same age as they were when they vanished and you're older and you've aged terribly because you're so stressed out. They're not as attracted to you. How does this play out? Are you legally even still together if you were married? Does this cause a divorce? Do you then need to go to court and get a settlement? Who's managing all of this? That's going to be happening millions of times over around the globe. Probably hundreds of millions of times easy. That right there, 10 points of damage. 10 points. Which brings Earth's mightiest heroes to 15 points. Thanos is still at 50, 5-0, in case you forgot. If you are single but own property, when you come back, do you get to claim it? What are tenants' rights? What are they like when you've been disappeared for five years? Again, this is happening hundreds of millions of times over. Billions! Your home is gone. Have fun. Another 10 points to the Avengers. It's just a mess. It's a mess. Is there financial compensation for this? The Avengers just don't answer any of these questions. Like, there's no thought about the logistics. They're just like, we got to bring everybody back, but we can't lose what we have. Not even in Spider-Man Far From Home. They just call it a blip and moved on. Back to school. Time for a trip, everyone. But let's take a closer look at the realities of what Kevin Feige said about the snap. Half of all life is gone and then brought back. In that April 2019 article from Smithsonian Magazine, one of the biologists uh, note that the species that will bounce back the fastest are the smallest, namely insect populations, as they're at the bottom of the vertebrate food chain. And that population would still be in balance post-Thanos snap. But after the time heist, the amount of insects would be insane. Just imagine the amount of disease they'd spread after they're suddenly doubled. Now you're thinking, but the food chain, the food chain. But you're forgetting our normal infrastructure is set up to keep pests at bay. And this infrastructure just has not been kept up at all because we didn't need to have it. There were only half as many 
Only half as many of us. And the damage they'd suddenly cause would be incredible. Terrifying because we wouldn't be ready for it. And I'll be generous with my point delegation at this point. I'll only give the Avengers five, which sits them pretty at 30. Okay? They're at 30 now. 30 points. And what about food? The food production capabilities would have been cut in half after Thanos as well. We'd have no need for these massive surpluses of food. So even when the Avengers beep, boop, 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 beep, 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 boop, bring everyone back, it means that inevitably hundreds of millions of people would be dying of starvation within the first few weeks of the influx. Major villain points for the Avengers. Compounding this, going back again, where is everyone going to live? Remember that telltale scene with Scott Lane walking the streets of San Francisco and there's empty houses falling apart everywhere? There's the houses that people would be expected to live in again? The mildew, the mold, the unsanitary conditions, the amounts of deaths that inevitably follow Tony Stark's I'm Iron Man snap will be in the hundreds of millions easily. You've got starving people that are going to be herded into camps. Disease will spread like crazy. Suddenly that instant arbitrary death will seem like an easy way to go. I'm going to dole out a solid 20 points. The Avengers and Thanos are officially tied for who's the most garbage. And let's remember, okay, let's remember this is a scene that's going to be happening across the universe. What if some of those alien species learned that this entire rebirth of life and the complications that come along afterward are all because some people on Earth couldn't get over the fact that they weren't the most important thing on their planet because there is a mathematical inevitability that some planets on some planets things will dramatically improve with Thanos's plan it's just math it's inevitable it has to swing both ways what if those planets with their advanced tech come looking for payback there's immeasurable pain and suffering that could come from that. In fact, it could be a planet-ending event. So you could get infinity points for villainy, Mr. Stark. But since my solar-powered calculator only has eight digits, we'll only give the Avengers another ten points. Which is generous, and they still take the lead with 60 points. Thanks, Avengers. We could have just lost half the population and had a planet in environmental recovery and we as a species would be given a second shot at greatness with all the lessons we'd previously learned from unchecked industrial growth. All the empty scientific facilities and labs would invariably be repurposed. Access per capita to high-level technology would be greater than at any point in human history. There'd be opportunities for reclamation and recycling on a scale never seen. But now all we've got is a planet of people that treat their backyard like a toilet, arguing about whether their new spouse is as important as their old spouse, while they all starve because there isn't enough food and get bitten by bugs, 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 and rats. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I should add more points out of spite, but I won't because I am a scientist. So that brings our tally of who is worse 
to Thanos with 50 points and the Avengers with 60. The Avengers did more damage than Thanos, and that's me being generous with the point distributions. But, as we do in every episode, I'll leave you with an Issue Zero recommend. I'm going to recommend that you grow a garden. Seriously, there's just something incredibly cool about growing plants. You toss the seed in the ground, watch nature go. Hot peppers, tomatoes, beans, strawberries, doesn't matter. There's so many plants you can grow in confined spaces. You don't need a massive backyard with acres of space to grow something. You could just use a plot in a community garden, which is incredibly cheap and usually gives you access to tools as well. And there's also other gardens who are like filled with plant knowledge. You could just put a pot with some soil in it on a windowsill. Just grow something. It's wild how it affects your brain when you become attached to another living thing. You get to see transform every day, growing new leaves, changing its shape and direction with where the sun is. And you'll also begin to see the logic Thanos had when he was metaphorically pruning the leaves to help the plant as a whole thrive. A big thank you to Dila for coming on the show as Thanos in character. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Issue Zero so you never miss an episode. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. It helps us spread the word and get more people to find the podcast. We're available for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you get your favorite streaming audio. You can also listen to CuriousCast.ca. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information about what you heard today and links to all our guests, even though there really weren't any. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at Fearless underscore Fred, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can also email me, issuezero at CuriousCast.ca. This show is hosted and written by me, Fred Kennedy. Uh, Dila Velasquez, our producer and sound design and final production is all by the very tall Rob Johnson. See you next time for more Issue Zero.